Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. Your host, as always, is Fred. Our desire is to encourage, exhort, and educate on biblical prayer through this podcast. The mission of the podcast is to help everyone God allows us to help achieve a growing, biblical, dynamic, and satisfying prayer life. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can reach us at freerangeprayer at gmail.com. If you would like, you can make a positive review wherever you get your podcast. That would be appreciated. Welcome to today's episode of Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast again. Uh, this is Fred, and I'm your host, as Richard lets you know at the start of every episode. And I really am glad you're listening. Appreciate that. And like always, I pray that you're able to find some encouragement or exhortation, or maybe even learn something that can help you in your prayer life. That's the purpose. Uh, and we've kind of talked about that before. But it is the purpose. And uh, I wanted to do, I know I've been all, kind of all over the board on what we're going to do next and where we're going to go. And we are going to go next to uh, talk about the elements of prayer. But before we did that, I did want to do a review episode. Uh, that's what I'm calling it, a kind of review episode. And I wanted to do that for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first is we, we did hit a thousand listens a couple weeks ago, which really excited me. I'm really happy about that. And for me, when I start something like this, I never expect... Um, well, I don't know what to expect, but it, it truly wasn't that we would get a thousand listens, and so we've reached that milestone. Really do appreciate that. Thank you for that as well. So I wanted to do a review episode on that. And then the second reason is the last few episodes we've been centering a lot on education, the educational part of this podcast. And what I wanted to do was uh, just do one that may be more motivational and more encouraging for wherever you're at in prayer. And then I had also planned to do this one episode, uh, review episode. And as I was praying though and putting this together and things kept coming to mind, uh, it just became clear that we really did need to do this in two episodes and not one. And I know that that's never happened before in the podcast, but but seriously, there there comes times when I have in my mind one thing I want to talk about, and to be fair on the subject or the the several subjects that it entails, uh, it becomes necessary to do more than one, and today is one of those, and so it will be two episodes, and we'll try to keep it two episodes before we go into the elements of prayer. Because the way I outlined this episode was, you know, as far as the review, we were going to just exhort to pray like we did before, like early on, the early episodes. That's what we talked about. Praying, making prayer a habit, uh, getting, the, getting that consistent um, habit down, uh, and then watching yourself grow in the midst of that. And then I wanted to encourage... I believe this concept has been in the podcast, but it's kind of woven in. And that is, 
we want to pour out our hearts before him. God wants us to pour out our hearts before him. So I wanted to encourage in that regard as well, uh, pouring out your heart before God, which um, implies, for me at least, that we are honest and transparent before God. And then the third part was going to be, again, to encourage you to read in the book of Psalms, to pray through Psalms, because the, the book of Psalms is actually a, a terrific guide to prayer, to worship, to intercession, to confession. All the elements of prayer are there in one way or another, and we are encouraged and taught and shown what those mean. As I laid, began to lay everything out, again, like I said, the breadth of the book of Psalms and its meaning uh, just just made it that I thought, okay, that's, it's not going to be fair to try to cram all that into one episode. So we're going to today talk about, again, being exhorted to prayer and then the encouragement to pour out our hearts before God. And then next time we will look at the book of Psalms and how that um, shapes our prayers and what we learn from the book of Psalms. And then we will go into the elements of prayer which actually, when we go into the book of Psalms, when we look at the book of Psalms next time, those would will be covered in a great regard as well, because that's part of what the Psalms are about. And so that's where we're going to go today. Now, I also had one other disclaimer uh, about today's episode, uh, and it's actually true in all of them. And again, early on, we've talked about this, but the free-range uh, Preacher on Prayer podcast is specifically intended for Christians, for people who know uh, Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Today is even going to be more so, because when we talk about the, the, the depth of the encouragement and the joy and the peace that we get through prayer, that is reserved for God's people. Now, God may be calling your heart. That may be why you're listening. He may be talking to you. He may be, like I said, calling you to himself. And so I would encourage you, if you're not a Christian, and you know you're not a Christian, to continue listening. It's amazing over the years, as I've taught uh, God's word, very often people will, will be listening and they'll actually be listening to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will lead them in a different direction than the study has gone. But he's used his word to spur on something a little special for a particular person, or sometimes more than one person in the study. And I always obviously encourage that, and, and they, they go down a road that the study wasn't intended uh, or even wasn't specifically an application from the verses. But again, the Lord led them to a different direction. And so I would encourage you, if you're not a Christian, you can still listen, please still listen. Uh, but the depth that we talk about, the depth of, again, the fruit of prayer is for God's children. And if you're right at that spot where you need to make a decision, um, I prayed before this episode as well, that if somebody's out there in that position, that you will uh, give your heart to God and that you will submit before him as your Lord and Savior. Then those blessings of prayer really kick into high gear for you. This episode 
is especially for God's children, for Christians, as I've said. Uh, now, it turns out in the the way that mankind is created, the way that our uh, of our natures, the way that we are created and we relate to one another, that we love telling others about the good things in our lives. We really do. If you just think about the things that are important to you and how you share them with people around you, you will know that that's true. And in fact, uh, one of the things that made me think of this uh, in the last uh, couple weeks is I found a television show that I had, hadn't seen before and it's from Britain and it is a uh, detective show and it's called DCI Banks and DCI is, stands for detective something inspector anyway but it's a good show the characters I like the stories I like after I listened to or watched the first three episodes or so or maybe four I, I remember just stopping uh, and thinking who can I tell about this who do I know that I would that I think might might really like this show and that I could tell them about this show and I did that because that's part of our nature and whether it's football or music or beauty in a sunrise or beauty in a painting whatever it is that we as human beings view as positive and really a blessing we want to share those now we do that also with things we don't like but by and large when something affects our lives we want to tell others about it and that actually explains why we're why the free range preacher on prayer podcast is here i do have i believe a calling from god to teach and i have venues to teach through but prayer is special to me and uh, and very close would love for everyone to experience that positive uh, prayer life and he has sent me joy and peace satisfaction and there is for me a profound uh, growth in experiencing experiencing eternal life because that's what prayer does and we've talked we talked a lot about this before the, the, the review part of this as well we talked a lot about it because it is so true that we can experience eternal life now and remember in John 17 3 Jesus talks about eternal life as knowing God and knowing Jesus so it's not just living a long time it's knowing and understanding and growing closer to God and we can do that in prayer and God has been gracious to me to do that in my life and it has all come through prayer and truly I can't even imagine what life would be like if I was not able to pray I need God I need to have access to him I need to know that he's there and I need him not just for heaven not just because when the time comes for me to as the Old Testament says to be gathered to my people that's not just in fact right now I don't know when that that time is going to be and so I need him profoundly and deeply right now I need him daily I need him hourly all my struggles with sin all my struggles with depression my weaknesses the natural pressures of just life just the way life goes sometimes 
would crush me I willingly admit I am weak and I need the Lord not only in salvation but for every day and if I wasn't able to pray and did not know from my soul that I had a God to pray to the God to pray to I would be in all practical terms lost I, I and I don't know how people in the world do it I don't know how people who don't know Jesus get from day to day truly I know that there, there are things that uh, that people do to cope but to truly get from day to day I, I don't know how they do it now what that means is what God has done in my life I believe is accessible to all his children to everyone it's not a, a particular blessing or a particular road for me only or a particular peace for me I think God's children every, all of God's children we all have access to that and God will bless in that same way he will lead to a depth of joy and peace that goes beyond our understanding especially as we pray and especially as we learn about him in prayer and ignite if you will or turn on our knowledge of eternal life now recently I was talking to a person and I was told about a person they knew this uh, person they knew is a Christian and been a Christian for a while and is a, a young person and has challenges in life like everybody does the same types of challenges and the person I was talking to actually exhorted this young man to to pray and there were several issues several really important issues several pressing issues on his life my friend that I was talking to encouraged him to pray about each one of them and every time that other person mentioned an area to pray about the person that they were talking to again a Christian loves the Lord almost looked like what are you crazy how is that going to help kind of a situation and maybe not that extreme but there really was a, almost a bewilderment on the part of the person being exhorted to pray to pray so I've added that person to my prayer life and it to me is very sad that a Christian has been a Christian for a long time and has not been taught the depth of prayer the profundity of praying the access that we have to Father Son and Holy Spirit when we pray and in fact there's a song that just came to mind sweet hour of prayer I, I don't think it might be sweet hour of prayer but part of the lyric of whatever song it is <laughs> is what pain and sorrows we often bear when we do not take everything to God in prayer and that is true and, and for a Christian to be isolated from God and to think they had to take these burdens on by themselves to me is is a tragedy somebody needs to get a hold of that young man and let him know he has full access to God and God will answer those prayers and they may be different as we've talked about also in this podcast they may be different than he expects but God will answer those prayers and he will make those prayers special it is important that we don't live our lives without that resource of God that 
ability to pray, that ability to experience eternal life right now. That's what helps us bear through this life, having that knowledge of the eternal. So the exhortation early on is pray, 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 pray. That's the whole point. And in episode one, we talked about things that you don't even need to worry about uh, as far as prayer, that we don't want anything to keep you from praying. God will grow you in his time through your prayer life, but we, we needed to begin. And that was our exhortation from the beginning. And if you remember, we have Luke 18, 1, where Jesus uh, was, well, the verse says, Now he, that's Jesus, was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Another thing that's true that sometimes we don't think about, we know in Ephesians 6, and we know about the full armor of God, if you've been a Christian for any time at all, you've heard talks or read books or read encouragements about putting on the full armor of God. But the main purpose for the full armor of God is for prayer. We put that on when we go into battle, and our, uh, our battle, our battle strategy is prayer. And in Ephesians 6.18, once he gets done with all the armor of God, Paul says this, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And that's Ephesians 6.18. So we do see common to both of those passages, one from Paul and one from Jesus himself, is that we need to pray at all times. Now that doesn't mean we're on our knees at all times and that we have our eyes closed at all times. I was thinking uh, this past year, our church did a special prayer walk, a time that we walked through the neighborhood and prayed. And I, I kind of chuckled at myself because I remember some of the times as I was walking and praying out loud with the, the little group that I was with, I actually closed my eyes and then after a couple of steps, I had to open them, obviously, because I couldn't see what was going on or where I was going. But that's our, such a common posture and prayer for us to close our eyes that I had done that. It was such a habit that I had done that even knowing that I was walking and, and that was not the safest thing to do. But what we can see when, when God talks about praying at all times, not talking about being in that posture of prayer, but he's talking about taking everything to God in prayer as it comes. If you were to see uh, an accident in front of you uh, on the highway, immediately taking that to God in prayer, that's what he's talking about when he's talking about praying at all times. And so we can, we need to pray every day. We need to seek him every day. We can pray several times a day we're not constrained to one time obviously if we're praying at all times uh, we can pray at home we can pray at work we can pray in the car we can pray while you're walking around a neighborhood and i do that in my own neighborhood when i take my walks as well i pray for the people uh, around the neighborhood and things that are going on here in my town and you might even be able to again steal a a line from the bible itself that God wants us to pray in season and out of season. We're supposed to be praying all the time. And then, again, we've even alluded to this a little earlier today, is once we start to pray and we make that into a habit or a, uh, or even in the beginning, just a priority that we pray, 
whether it's a habit yet or not, we will see our prayer lives grow and change, and they will become different than they are when we began, and they will deepen uh, and be more profound than when we began as well. And so the reality is we, we just don't read the words by rote. In fact, doing that, I believe, is one of the ways we are uh, supposed to stay away from vain repetition. So if you mindlessly read the Lord's Prayer, I believe that's a lot less effective than pouring your heart out before Him. And He wants you to pour your heart out before Him. He wants you to be transparent and open before Him. In Psalm 62, 8, again, I love David so much, we read David uh, writing this, Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah, which is a, I believe, a term of rest in the, in the music, in the Psalms, or in the pattern of the Psalm. But he's our refuge, and we have access to him when we pour out our heart before him. When we do that, when we pray like that, when we pour out whatever's on our hearts before him, like the young man we, I talked about a little bit earlier, we demonstrate our faith. Now, I do want to put a little parenthesis about this, because we will do an episode. I know I've mentioned it several times, and then we've kind of gone on to other things, and I need to set out my planning a little uh, m more permanent, I suppose, so that we will get to it. But we will have an episode on prayer, at least one episode, probably many, but at least one episode initially on prayer and faith and how, how much prayer and how specifically prayer demonstrates our faith. And so we will do that. I promise we will do that. But when we pray, we show our trust in Him. When we pray, we release our cares to Him, and we can give them to Him and then not have them burden us uh, in the moment when we need to be relying on Him. In prayer, we draw closer to Him, and as we do that, we realize He's drawing closer to us. We feel closer to Him. We know Him better. So praying honestly and transparently before God is something we are called to do. And as we pour out our hearts before him, that's the central meaning of that, I believe. Now, if you've thought about it at all, and you may have or you may haven't, if you have thought about it, I'm sure you've come to a similar conclusion to me about transparency and honesty. Now, they can be used as synonyms, but the reality is they are not precisely the same. And, and we understand this maybe even intuitively if you haven't thought about it. But if you see me in the hallway at work and we walk, you know, by each other and you ask me, how are you? And I respond with, I'm fine. In the moment, you may be being honest about that. In this very moment, or I may be being honest about that. I am fine right now. But what I'm not telling you is, I may not be fine. In fact, I'm, I may be on the verge of, of chaos in two days, or maybe a day, or maybe a few hours, 
or maybe in five minutes I may be at that spot in my life where I don't even know what's going to happen in the next five minutes I don't know how I'm going to put one step in front of another in the next five minutes in that moment in that very moment I'm honest with you I'm fine but I'm not at all transparent with you because I haven't told you any of that I haven't told you that I'm I may be losing it right when we talk about honesty before God we're talking about obviously being honest before God telling him the truth as you see it or as you feel it in the moment and we're also talking about being transparent and I found uh, sometimes in my life as well that as I'm praying I'm, I'm not really being transparent before God I have to smile at myself sometimes because sometimes I will be telling God kind of the circumstance I'd, I'll be building like a, a circumstance when I know he already knows it but it's part of comfort to us it's part of our ability to seek God and be comforted by prayer it, it, knowing that we can tell him about the situation that we can tell him what's going on and we can be transparent with him and we don't need to to hold anything back or to even maybe think that that we uh, that we can hide anything from God or that there's something that he doesn't know because he knows it and in fact we will go over sometime in the future as well that there are times when even I have found myself trying to manipulate God setting up a certain situation or or setting up what's going on in a way that I, again I shake my head at myself because I'm trying to manipulate God and and that we we don't want to do I don't want to do one of the habits that I have tried to to develop is I can tell him the story and I can tell him what's going on and I can tell him my desires but I always try to bracket that with but I do want your will if this isn't your will I don't want it but here's my situation sort of thing and so he does want us to be transparent before him and when you think about that as well not being transparent that is silliness God knows everything and we know he knows everything and there there really isn't anything that we can hide from him or as we grow in Christ and grow closer to him that even we even want to hide from him but there are times as we're maturing in our prayer life that we may not tell him everything we may not be transparent and if you think about that when God went to Adam and Eve after Adam sinned and Eve sinned in the garden God asked where they were he knew where they were he knew they were hiding he knew exactly where they were he wasn't doing that to find them he was doing that to call them to himself in their fear now that they had sinned and so he knows think about perhaps keeping things from God it, it is rather silly and if you would like to kind of have a concise uh, little passage that helps you understand what God knows and who God is in regard to hiding things from him or being transparent from him I would encourage you to read Psalm 139 my my buddy David uh, in this psalm and it's so clear in fact in verses 1 and 2 David says O Lord 
Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou dost know when I sit down and when I rise up. Thou dost understand my thought from afar. So David knew that God knows everything, even though we don't maybe feel him closely and we think he's afar off. He's right there and he knows. And then in verse 4 he says, Even before there's a word on my tongue, Behold, O Lord, thou dost know it all. So not only does he know what's going on and what we are saying, he knows what we are about to say. So trying to keep things from him is being silly on our part. I was going to say foolish, but foolish in biblical terms means unbelieving. We're not being foolish, we're being unbelieving in the moment or silly in the moment when we try to, to, to hide things from God or not be transparent before him. It is silly as opposed to foolish uh, for this. But he wants us to be real with him. He wants us to be real before him. And that's where we can really get the healing and the, uh, and the comfort and the answers to our prayer. And the great blessings that come, come more quickly and more deeply when we are sincere before. Now, a few months ago, and I may have shared this at some point in the, in the podcast with you guys, but a few months ago, I asked a, a group of men in a Bible study that I'm involved with if they had ever been angry with God really mad at God and to a man there that, that was sitting there they said no so I believe what they told me I'm taking that at face value and I was pretty envious of that because I can't say that for myself I can't say no that I've never been angry with God for myself personally I really do wish I could say that of myself that I've never been angry before God but I have been several times in my life and one time in particular I literally threw a fit I threw myself down on the ground like a child and I was kicking and screaming and crying I was so frustrated and so angry with what God was doing and even though the circumstance that I was in were directly because of uh, choices I had made to be where I was at and to be doing what I was doing I was angry with God for the way it turned out. There's no exaggeration. I was frustrated and kicking and screaming. Now, I'm relating that story to you because I can relate that story to you. And what I mean by that is God didn't strike me down. I'm still here. He didn't take me home. He didn't He didn't uh, get rid of me because I threw a, foot bef- a fit before him. And in fact, it took me a little bit of time and I finally sheepishly repented of that fit but I threw that fit and I am still here and in point of fact God answered that prayer he answered that prayer for me in actually a very very special way my circumstance didn't change for some time following but the answer that I got was profound and there was an extra blessing in that again I'm relating that to you because I'm able to do that and the Lord knows I, I mean no disrespect. And when I say that, I, I'm thinking I may have told you that story before. But he knows I don't mean any disrespect when I say what I'm about to say. God is a big boy. He can take what you say. He can take your feelings, whatever they are. Fear or anger or sorrow, depression. He can take those 
and it doesn't affect him. He responds to us still. And you can be angry before God like I was and throw yourself on the ground like I did and God still listens. It doesn't affect him. It doesn't make a, him love us any less or uh, less uh, or take us away from his plan for us. He has a plan for us. He's going to fulfill that plan. And our um, actions to him do not change that, do not change that relationship. We do not ruin our relationship with God by what we say and what we think and what we feel. For God's children, there is no retribution. Now, we do know from Hebrews 12 that there may be discipline for God's children. In fact, in your life and in my life, if you're a Christian, there had better be discipline discipline from God because he says he disciplines every son that he receives and if you don't have discipline there is some doubt and that's God disciplining you if you don't have that there he there is some doubt as to your relationship with him and if you and if you haven't had any trial uh, any discipline and you are his child believe me that time is coming being real before God means even being able to throw a fit before him, to get out that emotion and to be angry with him. He knows and he understands. Very often, in uh, well, in fact, it was a rule in our household when our children were growing up that they could be mad at their dad. Uh, they could be mad at their mom, but they couldn't show open disrespect. And they could even throw a fit. I, I always let my children express themselves and get angry, but they had to do it in their room by themselves. And then when they got done and they were ready to talk reasonably, then we were able to talk through what was going on and, and what had happened and if I'd made a decision that made them angry, why I made that decision. But while they were emotional, while they were in the midst of being angry, they had to do that on their own. And once they settled down, then we were able to talk. I didn't kick them out of my family. I didn't stop letting them be my children because they were mad at their dad or that they didn't understand or that they didn't think that I was fair. None of those things affected my relationship with my children. There was a time when we could come together and reasonably talk about whatever had gone on but they never were not my children because they had thrown a fit. God wants us to be sincere before him. He wants us to be open before him. And again, he can handle it, whatever it is. And even if you go through a period of time of unbelief, he still can handle that. And he is like the prodigal son's father who waits every day, just waiting for his son to come back. He didn't abandon his son. He didn't leave his son. He let his son go the way that his son wanted to go, but he was always ready for him to come back. And eventually, as we know from the story, his son didn't come back. So we need to be open and honest before God. And, and I think I've even mentioned this beforehand, and I may have mentioned the story that I'm about to relate as well, but the most profound moments in my life 
and in my relationship with God have come through prayer and some of those most profound moments have come through discipline as I'm praying and if I've told you this before uh, I was going to say I apologize I don't apologize this is one of the most profound moments in my life and one of the most uh, life-changing moments I have ever had before God in prayer and it always makes me tear up and even though I didn't think I was going to this time I have already a little bit as we're talking about this because it was one of those moments obviously I will never forget it's one of those eternal life moments that I understood God afterwards way before way more than I understood him before now you know I pray for through a psalm each day at least one psalm each day a few years ago I was in Psalm 16 and praying and I even remember where I was at the time I was I, I very often will go to a park or sometimes a place overlooking the city I live and those are becoming less and less available but and pray just kind of with a sweeping view I live in a, a, a city that has a river in the middle of it so I love going to the park one or another of the parks and praying and watching the river as well and that's where I was I was praying through Psalm 16 and as I came to the psalm and, and, and I was praying through them and I will look at each phrase and then I will write each phrase down because I write my prayers down and I was going through Psalm 16 and when I came to verse 6 now you do need to keep in mind that I consider my children my family I consider them my heritage when I think about my heritage that's what I think about who my children are who my family is who my wife is and my relationship with them I came to verse 6 in Psalm 16 and I read the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places again that's the first phrase in verse 16 the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places and this is David praying talking to God and I stopped and that's how I know exactly where I was because as I looked up from the page and I, I, I looked and kind of gazed out pondering that thought the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places I was actually looking over the steering wheel of my car I remember that in my vision as well and before I wrote even the phrase down I said to the Lord you know Lord that's not true I cannot say the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Now, I measure my life often when I'm thinking about my life or talking about my life. I measure it often by what trial I was in at the time a memory or a thought or a, something from the Lord came up or as I was going through a particular Bible passage came up. I always am able, almost always able to tie that to a time of trial again not always there are some moments that we're not in trial that I remember as well uh, but we've had a lot of trial I've had a lot of trial in my life which uh, I may talk about that at some point as well the, the true meaning behind that but I've had a lot of trials and I was in the midst of a trial as I was praying that I said to the Lord you know I can't say that the lines haven't fallen to me in pleasant places 
and I was thinking about that and I wrote it down and then I looked on my Bible again and I read the second part of verse 6 in which David says indeed my heritage is beautiful and I immediately began to weep and I prayed the rest of the prayer through tears because I said a silly thing I said the lines hadn't fallen to me in pleasant places and they have the reality is they have and I thought to myself how dare I say that to God when I have the family that I have I have the heritage that I have my children were older both following the Lord even at that time I just had every confidence in their faith and what they were going to do and what they wanted to do for the Lord and the people they were in Christ and I could not believe that I stopped and I said to the Lord the lines haven't fallen to me in pleasant places I have replaced that now with the phrase nobody is more blessed than I am because the reality is nobody is more blessed than I am and as I sat there and and I don't know how God does these sort of things but when I paused on that line and said what I said and then read the next line indeed my heritage is beautiful God was rebuking me he gently in that moment rebuked me for my fear and sorrow and maybe even anger at that time in the trial that we were in now it was utterly humbling but it was a gentle rebuke it was a rebuke straight from his word straight to my heart about how I was feeling what I was praying and whether or not really deep down I trusted him now one of the reasons that I love this song that I don't know the title of it I was going to look it up and forgot I do apologize but it has the word being sweetly broken before God and I love that song because in my experience in my life whether I'm really angry with God or whether I'm denying his blessings there's no more profound moments for me than when I am sweetly broken. There's no more sweeter moments for me than when I am in his presence being rebuked in his love. And in that moment, as I told the Lord, denied the blessings that I had had, he rebuked and he taught. And I've never prayed that since. I don't believe I will ever pray that again because I know him better and I know his rebuke and I know he didn't settle for that he didn't settle for me saying you know Lord the lines really haven't fallen to me in pleasant places and he brought me to reality and it's when we're sincere and open 
that we can fully know that brokenness and that sweetness of being blessed and of teaching so profound that it will change our lives forever. He does that for us. He does that because he loves us. And he does that for his own glory. Now, I share those stories with you, and as I share those stories with you, because we've got one other uh, person to look at and how they were uh, sincere and open, honest before God. But I share those stories with you because I'm, I'm reminded when I do that or when those things come up as far as what to share and instances in my life or instances in somebody else's life that uh, I can share. Uh, it reminds me of a story I heard a long, long time ago and it was about a little girl and she was supposed to be in bed she was supposed to be sleeping but she was afraid and she was a little sad and she went in I believe as the story went to her mom and she said to her mom I can't come to sleep would you come lay beside me for a little while because I'm sad and I'm a little bit afraid and her mom assured her that Jesus was there. Jesus would always be there for her. And Jesus was always there watching and taking after her. And as the story went, the little girl said, I know Jesus is there, but I need somebody with skin on. She needed that comfort of having her mom close. Even though she knew Jesus was there, believed Jesus was there, knew Jesus in her little heart was there. She didn't deny that, but she needed somebody with skin on to comfort her and for me those real life incidents in my life and people's other, other people's lives that I share that's those are instances with skin on because we're going to look at Job next some really interesting things about Job about him being open and dishonest or not dishonest open and honest before God in prayer we can look at Bible stories and sometimes those are the stories that don't necessarily have skin on. We can see them, we can relate to them, they have meaning to us, but testimonies of people have that extra little tinge of, this happened to me. And so when I share those stories, that's what I think about. And obviously they've been profound to me. A few years ago, I was uh, doing a Sunday school class, teaching a Sunday school class, and we were going through the book of Job. Now, as I related uh, the last story about Psalm 16, without question, I had read that psalm and prayed that psalm hundreds of times. It wasn't the first time I ever saw that psalm. I had prayed that psalm hundreds of times at least a hundred times and read it hundreds of times and the same with Job I've been through the book of Job I read through the Bible uh, as I may have told you at some point at least once a year every year since I've been saved and so I, I read through the book of Job at that point it was uh, about well it was a little over a hundred I actually stopped counting uh, at my hundredth time reading through the Bible and so I had read that book a lot, but when I sat down to teach it, because you teach different than you read. When you study a book to teach it, to teach, you teach it differently than you read it. And as I sat down and studied through the book of Job, there were several things that, that came up for me 
that I hadn't realized before through that book. And if you don't know anything about the book of Job, if you haven't read it yet, read it. Again, when I talk about my children, this just actually came up to mind for me as well. And my children and their relationship with the Lord and who they are. One of my other fondest memories when they were little was my daughter, probably seven or eight, maybe, sitting in her room with her back up against the wall, reading out loud the book of Job to her little brother. And for me, it's just a precious picture I have and burned in my mind of her sitting with her back to the wall and her brother with his head on her shoulder as she read the book of Job. I didn't even bother to ask her why she was reading the book of Job. It was a blessing and awesome that she was. And so I've always liked the book of Job as well, not just for that reason, but uh, there's a lot of real stuff that in the book of Job, and it strips away sometimes a lot of what might be churchy kind of thinking. But as I was going through the, the book of Job this time, oh, I'm sorry, if you haven't read the book of Job, please read it. It's worth reading. But basically, God puts Job in a trial and lets Satan be the agent of most of that trial. Job loses everything, every, every worldly thing, and he keeps his faith. And then Job has some friends that show up. And most of the book of Job is, uh, the content of it is Job, uh, Job's friends telling him in various levels, that each friend has a little deeper level, that, that they don't believe Job is really the godly man that he's always claimed to be. And that this trial that Job, in, Job is in is proof of the fact that he's not the man he's claimed to be all this time. So it's basically an argument, a, a uh, rotation of argument with Job's friends and then Job, and then Job's friends and then Job. That's, that's basically the content of the book. When I was studying through and we got to the Job's comments and I handled it, I didn't have the... Um, capacity, the time to do it, you know, verse by verse through the whole book. It's, uh, it's a huge book. But what I did was I took each round of arguments, what the um, Job's friend said, and I am using Job's friend in quotes, what Job's friend said, and then Job's response. So I took them in the cycles that they were in. And when I got later in the book, and I got to chapter 31, I read this, and this is Job talking, and he's talking about what he's going to do, or what he would do, if he was able to tell God face to face about this trial that he's in. Job says this, Oh, that I had one to hear me. Behold, here is my signature. Let the Almighty answer me. And the indictment which my adversary has written, surely I would carry it on my shoulder. I would bind it to myself like a crown. I would declare to him the number of my steps. Like a prince, I would approach him. That's pretty astonishing. And I'd never taken notice of it before. 
when he calls the Almighty to answer him. And then he says, I am going to walk in like a prince and tell God what's what. And when I read that, I wanted to duck my head and close my eyes and then peek through my eyelids to see the column of smoke, the smoking hole where Job used to be before he said that. He was going to walk in like a prince before God and tell God, give God some 411, as the kids say. But when I kept going, kept reading, there wasn't any smoke. There wasn't a hole where Job had been. There was only Job standing there on his feet. Very much like me after my fit. And then what happened next was a, a young man who was there who hadn't spoken yet. He gets to say his share. His name is Elihu. And he gets to speak for several chapters. And tell Job what he thinks personally about the situation and then in chapter 38 God begins to address Job and so when Job asked in chapter 31 verse 35 for the Almighty to answer him beginning in verse 38 uh, beginning in chapter 38 I'm sorry of Job the Lord says okay let me answer you and he begins, the first three verses of Job 38 begin this way. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. whirlwind. So out of a whirlwind, a storm, the Lord answered and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. So God says, okay, I'm here. I'm going to answer him, answer you. So strap up your belt because you've been talking with, uh, with dark counsel, words without knowledge. So I'm going to uh, talk to you and then I want you to instruct me. And then basically God goes on for the next uh, four chapters with basically three questions. Where were you when I created the world? Second question is how how do I keep it running? This is what God has for Job. So where were you when I created everything? How do you know how I keep it running? And then the third thing that God says, if you can't even deal with my creation, how are you going to deal with me? Well, God goes through that in, in various ways, but he spends the next few chapters going through that. And then he gets done. And it would be a fair question, if you haven't read what happened yet, it would be a fair question to ask, what about the man who is going to walk into God's presence like a prince and give him the what for? Tell him what was going on. What happened to him after God got done answering him as he wanted God to do? And for that, if you wanted to turn to Job 42, you would be able to read what this guy did who was going to walk into to God like a prince it says then Job answered the Lord and said I know that thou canst do all things and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted who is this that hides counsel without knowledge therefore I have declared 
that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask thee, and do thou instruct me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of my ear, but now my eye sees thee, therefore I retract, and I repent in dust and ashes. That's what happened to the man who was going to walk in before God and tell him what was going on and demand an answer from him. Again, he says, Hear now and I will speak. I will ask thee, Do thou instruct me? I have heard of thee of the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees thee. Therefore I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. Job says, I don't have anything to say to you. And I'm sorry, and I repent. And now, after Job's bold statement, after hearing from Elihu, and then finally hearing from God, Job knows God better than he knew him before. There's tr certainly more fear with Job than there was before. I don't think ever again would Job have said, I'm going to walk in before the Lord like a prince after this. But he does know God much better. He knows God more intimately. Job, in that moment, in that moment of God's rebuke, in those chapters when God was speaking, Job was sweetly broken. The fear wasn't fear that you're going to smite me or that I'm gone from your family and that my faith is nothing. The fear was the awesomeness of God, the wonderfulness of God, the fact that God, even from a whirlwind, gently rebuked Job. He truly was sweetly broken. And as all those things un, uh, transpired, if you haven't read the book, you may be asking, Job's sweetly broken, what happens next? What does God do next? And for that, we can look at, again, 42, 7. And God says this, And it came about, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. And then verse 8. Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls, seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job will pray for you, for I will accept him, so that I may not do with you according to your folly because you have not spoken to me what is right as my servant Job has. And that is almost as incredible as everything we've read so far. Because when you look at Job defending himself and you look at Job in, in the early part of Job, he wanted to die. He wanted to be dead. He said, it would be much better if I had never lived. And then at the end, he said, I'm going to walk in like a prince. 
And so during that time, Job said a lot of foolish things. How could God say, Job has spoken rightly before me, and you guys haven't? Job's three friends were basically blowhards. They didn't know what they were talking about. And they accused Job. Accused Job. They didn't listen. But Job had been completely and honest and transparent. Before God. When he wished that he had never lived. He wasn't kidding. He lost everything. And he was sitting in a dump sick and covered with sores. So when he said he wished he had never lived, he was telling the truth. He was transparent. When he said and defended himself against his friends, he was telling the truth. The things that he said about his life were true. Maybe a little out of perspective, actually a lot out of perspective, right? But they were true, and he was open. And when he said he wanted to defend himself, he was being honest with God. And as the book of Job progresses, Job always defended himself, certainly, but he did it sincerely and transparently before God. He didn't try to act like, oh, you know, I just, uh, this is just a trial, and I know God's, uh, God's making me better, and I know He's working in my life, and He's knowing, I know He's causing spiritual growth. <laughs> he said, "No, I don't deserve this. I don't want to be in this position, and it's not fair. And when I get a chance, I'm going to tell God that." As his blowhard friends accused Job, said things that weren't true, said things that they didn't truly know. Job stayed completely open and honest before God. And then when God talked to him and God gently rebuked him, maybe not even so gently in the moment, but turned into a gentle rebuke, Job truly repented. He repented before God in sincerity as well. And the reason that Job 42, 1 through 6 is so special to me, which is one of the reasons the book was so special to me, is because of that heartfelt repentance before God. And actually, the whole book, even though at times, to me, it looked like Job was speaking silliness, he was being open and honest before God. And so God was able to say to Job's blowhard friends, look, you guys didn't say what was right, Job did say what was right. And so again, in verse 8, God told them to repent, to take up offerings, to give those offerings, and that Job would pray for them, and that God would answer Job's prayer, and those men who spoke such foolishness would got, not get what they deserved according to their folly. And Job obeyed, and they averted the judgment of God because Job obeyed. And verse 9 says, So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shushite, and Zophar the Namite, went and did as the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job. And then after that, 
verse 12 says, The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And you can read that and see specifically how God blessed Job. But the numbers don't matter. How God blessed Job doesn't matter. Our blessings being a New Testament believers, New Testament Christians, are going to be different than Job, than Job's were. But the reality was, because Job was open and honest before God, because Job had faith in God, and because Job accepted God's rebuke and repented, God then blessed him more than he was blessed before. Prayerfully, the story especially of Job has helped uh, make us uh, ponder and think about God and think about our relationship with Him and think about being open and transparent in prayer and to be continually praying for Him. So when we look next, we just want to look quickly at a few things. One of them is Psalm 103.14. Again, our beloved David says in that verse, For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. And in the context of that job, that a psalm, David is talking about God's compassion. And the import of that very verse, verse 14, uh, means that he understands our weaknesses. He understands our hurts. He understands our sins. He understands the sorry state that we are in our fallen nature. And he wants us to be open and honest and transparent with him about those things. He doesn't want us to hide those things. He understands them. He knows them, and that's the basis of, of his compassion. And so he's not looking down from heaven to smite us, to hit us on the forehead every time that we sin or every fall that we have. Uh, years and years ago, there was a, a little cartoon of a man standing on the corner. I don't know who wrote it or even where I saw it. But the man was standing there, and there was like uh, God's hand was, was, you know, down on him and it was ready for him to flick his finger, you know, to like knock the man, the man over. That's not what God does. And in fact, in again, another one of my favorite Psalms, uh, I tell people uh, with all sincerity, uh, I have 150 favorite Psalms because that's all there is in the book of Psalms, 150 of them. But in Psalm 37, verse 24, well, again, David is speaking about godly people and he says in verse 24 of Psalm 37, when he falls, that's the godly man, he, that's the godly man, shall not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. So far from that picture of God in the heavens just waiting to thump us on the back of the head because of who we are and what we've done, he holds our hand through those things and he holds our hands as we stumble he has compassion on us and he comes to us and he teaches us especially in prayer and we already know we looked at this a little bit last week but in Hebrews 4 again we already know that we are open and laid bare with him with whom we have to do we will never regret regret never regret coming to our God and our Savior honestly and transparently. For He is ready to forgive. He is ready to listen to us. And again, I just want to share 
uh, part of Psalm 86. Thank you, David. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us David. But in Psalm 86, David writes, Incline thine ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am afflicted and needy. Do preserve my soul, for I am a godly man. O thou, my God, save thy servant who trusts in thee. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to thee I cry all day long. Make glad the soul of thy servant, for to thee, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and give heed to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I shall call upon thee for thou wilt answer me. There is no one like thee among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like thine. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord. And they shall glorify thy name, for thou art great and doest wondrous deeds. Thou alone art God. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and will glorify thy name forever. For thy loving kindness towards me is great, and thou hast delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. I don't know what else we can say, but glory to God. Thank you for delivering our souls from Sheol. Thank you for giving us salvation. All we can really say is, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become His counselor or who has first given to Him that it might be paid back to Him again? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And I am praying for anyone who listens to this because of who he is and his blessings and his bestowing on us eternal life right here and right now. that We can experience that right here and now that we all develop our sincere prayer lives. There is nothing sweeter than to be in the presence of God praying even though we don't see him we believe in him and we love him and there's nothing sweeter than to be in prayer before him even if we're sweetly broken being transparent and honest before him that's why this has turned into a two-part episode I didn't fairly think I could uh, handle both all in just one And we will look next time at our prayer guide in the book of Psalms. Lastly, I want to echo with Paul, 
just once more today saying God is my witness God is my witness that I there's no greater joy for me I have no greater joy I have no deeper peace or better salve to my soul than when I'm bowing before him in prayer his graciousness his loving kindness Jesus Christ Father Son and Holy Spirit wants us desires us allows us to come into his throne room with prayer and supplication and worship and he listens and the profundity of those prayers come when we are open honest and sincere before him this is already long I'm not going to pray today but I have prayed before and I will continue to pray that in some small way the two little fishes and the tiny loaves of bread that I have will be used by our gracious God to help you to a deeper and more soul satisfying prayer life next time we will take a look at how we learn prayer through the book of Psalms. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Free Range Preacher. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us for our next broadcast coming up soon. For Fred and myself, this is Richard Durrington saying, Make it a godly, fun-filled day.